0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today and great to be with you today. Everybody uh, lost about 20 pounds this week? Yeah. Some of you started and stopped. And good news you can get back on the wheel again. Amen. After you go to lunch today, that's the way to start it. Don't do it on Sundays. It's good to see you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me today to John's Gospel, chapter 5. John, chapter 5. Um, I hope that you'll be back next week as we began a, a new series called Unstoppable. It's a three-week series we're going to be doing this month. I'm going to be preaching and um, just kind of unpacking some some cool things and celebrating some things from 2017. But, but unpacking some things that, quite frankly, um, I've had on my heart to do uh, for a long, long, long time. I'm actually next week going to be very retro uh, and... Uh, There's a sermon that I preached when I was a senior in Bible college, I was 22, and uh, it was my heart. One day I feel like I will pastor a church that will, and I'm going to pull some of that out, because that's something I've never shared here in the 15 years that Tammy and I've pastored, and I think this is a year that God's going to begin to fulfill and is fulfilling some of those things that have been in my heart for a long, long, long time, and uh, for over 25 years. And so. I, I want to do that, and so I hope you'll be back next weekend. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I've got some some cool things that we're going to begin to unpack, and some stuff that, like, don't you hate when somebody tells you, hey, I've got something to tell you, but I can't tell you now? Yeah. I, it's some really cool stuff. I just can't say it this week. I guess I could, but I'm not going to. And so I want you to be back next Sunday and next weekend and for, for that, and uh, we're going to be doing that series. And I really believe 2018 is going to be, very, um, be one of those historical years in the life of this church. And I think it's going to be an incredible journey. And I'm not just saying that. I really, 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 really believe that. Today I want to share with something with you that's kind of a bit pastoral. Uh, and it's something that we all know. I, I, I think that people that come to church, Christ followers, or even people that are seeking uh, for faith in Christ, you're smart people. You're, you're not stupid. You're not unintelligent. You, you know a whole lot more than what you let on. Um, I love sometimes people ask me questions like, is this right? Is this wrong? Like, you gonna know, like when you stand before God if I say it's right and God says it's wrong, goes hey man Pastor Aaron said right and uh, so it must be okay. Uh, I'm not going to hell because of you. you know that's what I'm thinking like don't don't try to drag me into your mess. you you know uh, and and you get it and, and you're not stupid and you're intelligent. Uh, you're hungry for the things of God or you wouldn't be here today. So some of the things I may say may feel a bit like I'm quote-unquote preaching to the choir, although we don't have a choir, at least not this Sunday. And um, you never know, one week I'm just going to pull out a big black choir with a Hammond Beat organ. I'm going to have some church up in here and really shake you people up. But right now I'm just letting it be, be easy for you because you can't handle all of that. You Anyhow, have a hard time clapping on beat. Anyhow, so... but. I want to share something with you that I think we mentally assent to, I I think we try in our heart, but I don't think we really sometimes just take time to go, am I really living this out? Uh, And am I really walking this out? I don't know how many of you are like this, but I'm this way. When I get like something I need to put together or construct or whatever, which is very rare, but. Cause I'm not really. I, I, if anybody can mess something up, that's manual. It's me. And uh, but I hate reading instructions. Anybody else like you just like if you just look at the picture and we're gonna put it together. I'm not gonna read the instructions, especially if it's in six different languages. I'm not reading the instructions, right? Uh, because I start out going, this is not even, three instructions in before I get to English. And so I'm not reading the instructions, and I I hate doing that together, you know, or you go to like the Ikea, and you're going to buy something that looks pretty simple, and so you're getting it home, and you're going to try to put it together, and it's like you can read the instructions, or you can just put it together. I just put it together, but I've got these extra parts always, right? And you put them in a Ziploc bag, go on, and (laughs) hopefully you don't need them right? Hopefully your kid's bike doesn't fall apart. Let's just be honest. Hopefully there's not a life debilitating uh, issue or injury because of that. The reality is, is that the reason why I don't like that, if I'm really honest, is because I don't like being told what to do. I kind of like to do what I want to do. I kind of like to choose what I want and, and what I think, and I, this is kind of it. And I think a lot of us are that way, And I think sometimes that attitude, if we're not careful, whether it's just your natural personality and you're bent or just something's in your craw and you just kind of, I think it it happens and we can come to the Bible the exact same way. We can come to God's word the exact same way. Where I'm going to hear what you're going to say, Aaron, about the Bible, but I really don't like being told what to do. I really don't want to be told how to do this. I had somebody say one time, man, I like your preaching, but you just tell me what the book says. Don't apply it. Just tell me what he's saying in the original Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew that it was written in and just kind of, but I don't really, you really get in my kitchen. You really cross the line. I'm leaving the church because you just want to apply it. Sorry. But but the, where does that come from? Because a lot of times we all we feel that way we just don't say it because we don't want to be impolite or we don't want to be whatever. But but the truth of the matter is is that is that sometimes we just think, well, I'll just figure this out. I'll figure my marriage out. I really don't need this book called the Bible. I'm not really gonna because if I really thought it had the answers, I'd go to it instead of getting on the phone or getting online or I really don't need the Bible to tell me how to do my business and whatever. I mean, really, what does that have to do? I'll never forget being in a meeting one time. I wasn't here, but I was. I was in. in a, I was on staff at a church, and 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 I heard a board member uh, basically communicate to the pastor: "Pastor, you take care of the spiritual stuff, and we'll take care of the business stuff. Because the business stuff is not the spiritual stuff, and the spiritual stuff isn't the business stuff. And it's two different things." And I thought, "What? Like, if it doesn't all work together, if it doesn't all come together, then what's going on? You can't dichotomize that. That's." No, it's God has a plan and a future for your life, whether it's in ministry, vocationally, or in the marketplace. He's called you, he's gifted you, he's done that. And that doesn't just, I don't have a higher calling than you do because I'm a pastor. We, if you're a janitor and that's what God's called you to do, that you're living the highest calling for your life the same way I'm living the highest calling for my life. And I'm not any better than you are. And you're not any better than I am. And quite frankly, one plus one equals two always in any place, and any time, because that's how God put it together. And if God put it together, who spoke the heavens and the earth and all that there is, which is you and I together, and created the church, which is his bride, I think it all kind of goes together. But sometimes we just kind of go, well, I just don't need God to tell me what to do here or, or, or there or my finances or, or my relationships. I just, I'm just going to take care of the, well, the Bible's just going to basically be for eternity. It, it's going to be my fire insurance to save me from hell. And we really wouldn't say it that way, but sometimes we behave that way. I don't need a bunch of old men that I've never met before, that I've never come in contact with before, from a different place, from a different time, from a galaxy far, far away, so it feels, to tell me what to do. And 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 well what why you know when was the last time you consulted God's word when it came to your business? When was the last time you consulted God's word when it came to your marriage? When was the last time you consulted God's word when it came to your kids? When was the last time you consulted God's word when you made your new re- new year's resolutions? When was the last time you consulted God's word and had to deal with a with a relationship that was fractured? When was the last time you consulted God's word when you were dealing with whatever? Here's a value that we have at Life Church and this is what I want to talk about today. Biblical authority. Biblical authority. It's that Scripture is our final authority as it relates to what we believe and how we behave. Biblical authority, that Scripture, the Bible, God's Word, is our final authority as it relates to what we believe and how we behave. Scripture is our final authority as it relates to what we believe and how we behave. We verbally say we believe this. We've asked Jesus Christ to come into our heart, into our life, be our Lord, be our Savior, we're saved on our way to heaven. We, we give verbal assent to that. But do we behave in such a pattern that we are living what we say we believe? Do I live in the marketplace out what I say I believe at church on Sunday? Do I, do I live out in the classroom in school what, on Monday what I say I believe on Sunday? Do, do, do I live out when I'm out with the other soccer moms uh, uh, on Monday what I say I believe on Sunday? Is, is there a consistency? Is there a congruency in my life? Or do I espouse one thing verbally and completely behave at least a different way? Or maybe even totally different? And again, I get it. We don't like anybody to tell us what to do. But, 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 but the problem is, is that's exactly what God's word does. When you look, it's going, going back to, to what that, the individual said about, about preaching. You know, hey, just tell me what the book says, but don't tell me how to apply it. Well, the problem with that is the model that we have as pastors is Jesus. And Jesus, when he taught, he taught in stories, which were parables, which are stories with meaning. And so if you look at the context of how Jesus taught, it was 10% information. He was quoting the Old Testament prophets or the Torah, quoting the law. He's quoting that, but he's applying it. How does he apply it? And the kingdom of heaven is likened unto, and the kingdom of God is likened unto, and the kingdom of God is highly applicational, 90% application, 10% 10 scripture. It's not that he's he's embellishing, it's not that he's taking away from, he's trying to explain it, and explain it, and explain it, and the disciples are asking questions, how do we apply this, what do we do with this, because it's not just enough that you believe it, it's do you behave that way, and so the same is true in our own lives. And as you begin to read the New Testament, when you get outside of the teachings of Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, and you get into the Book of Acts as Luke begins to write it, and you get into all the Pauline epistles, what do you find? You find individuals, disciples, that are applying the Word of God. So Paul is writing the application of the truth of God's Word to the church in Romans, called to the church in Rome, called Romans. He, he's writing it to the Ephesians and, and the book of Ephesus. Excuse me, to the church in Ephesus and the book of Ephesians. I'll get this right in a minute. He's writing it to the Church of Galatians in the book of Galatians. He's writing it, he's writing it to to, to Timothy. First and 2 Timothy, it's a direct application. Here's how to live this out. Here's how to lead. Timothy is a young pastor, and he's leading a congregation of over 100,000 people, and he doesn't know what to do, and he's completely freaked out of his mind. But God's called him. Paul's ordained him, and there he is. Titus is on this island of Crete with these bunch of misfit uh, 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 robbers and thieves and cheats and peg leg pirates, and, and he's there. He's in a place that nobody wants to, but God's called him there. Paul's ordained him there, and he Writes to Titus in the book of Titus of how to conduct himself specifically of what's happening. The book of Jude is talking about the church that goes apostate. And they walk away from the teachings of Jesus, 30 years removed from Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. There they are. It's all applicational. Why? Because it's not just enough that we believe something, we must behave. And if our behavior doesn't match our belief, something is wrong. Woo, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. And I get it. We don't like anybody to tell us what to do. I don't mind taking out the trash. I just don't want Tammy telling me to take it out. You know what I'm talking about? If it's my idea, it's great. (laughs) Remember when you were a kid (laughs) and you would say, man, when I grow up, I'm going to let my kids eat anything they want to eat. I'm never going to spank my kids. Remember that? Unless you didn't raise in a house so you gonna get spanked, God help you. And, 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 and I, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that until all of a sudden you become an adult. What do you do? Do all the things you said you wouldn't do and you feel like you're an old man, right? Where did that come from? We don't mind having laws and rules and restrictions. matter of fact, we like them as long as they don't restrict us. This is human nature. And again, please don't misunderstand me. We all struggle with things. I'm not talking about we have to be perfect. But I am saying that when we espouse something that we say we believe, does our behavior match that? Does our behavior, is it consistent with that? See, this is what Jesus does. And this is where I want to get to John chapter 5. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, but he gives up his authority, gives up his power. He places himself directly under the authority of God, and he does exactly what God asked him to do. He believes and he behaves. And if there was anybody who could have autonomy on this subject, it would be Jesus, but yet he doesn't. Look at what Jesus says of this. John chapter 5, verse number 19, and Jesus replied, The Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing, and in the same way. For the father loves the son, and he tells him everything he's doing, and the son will will do far more awesome miracles than the, than this man's healing. He will even raise the dead, anyone he wants to, just as the father's does. And the father leaves all the judgment of sin to the son, so that everyone will honor the son, just as they honor the father. But if you refuse to honor the God's son, whom He sent to you, then you're uh, you're. Not, are certainly not honoring the Father. Jesus said, I say emphatically that anyone who listens to my message and believes in God who sent me has eternal life and will never be damned for his sins, but has already passed out of death into life. And I solemnly declare that the same time is coming. In fact, there is a time when the dead shall hear my voice, and the voice of the Son of God, and those who shall listen shall live. And the Father has life in himself, and has granted his Son to have life in himself, and to judge the sins of all mankind, because he is the Son of man. So do not be surprised. Indeed, there is a time coming when all the dead in their grave shall hear the voice of God's Son, and shall rise again. And those who have done good to eternal life and those who have continued evil will go to judgment. Verse 30 But I pass no judgment without consulting with the Father. For I judge as I am told, Jesus says, and my judgment is absolutely fair and just, for it's according to the will of God who sent me and not merely my own. Jesus clearly communicates I can't do anything on my own initiative. And I don't call my own shots here. I'm under God's authority. He, God, is the authority. And if you submit yourself under the authority of God, Jesus says very clearly, you'll be saved. And if you don't, then you're, you won't. And, and we'll all ultimately answer to the authority, which is God. And I would just simply say, if biblical authority is good enough for Jesus, then who am I to argue with it? This is how Jesus lived his life. Why wouldn't I live my life in the exact same manner? So let me ask you a question, true or false? Your greatest regret or greatest regrets in your life could have been avoided if you would have lived under biblical authority and would have said yes to God. Let me give you a statement. There's a difference between viewing the Bible as authoritative, having authority, and submitting myself to it. There's a difference between viewing the Bible as authoritative, a book that has authority, and submitting myself to it. Most of us would agree with the biblical authority. However, it's not necessarily the authority in my life. The question is not do I view the Bible as authoritative? The question is do I submit myself to it? Why is this so important? Because if biblical authority is abandoned in your life and in my life, four things typically happen. Authority will always shift to the biggest influence in your life, authority will shift to the biggest title in your life, morality will deteriorate in your life and your family, and ultimately you will lose your passion for Jesus. That's what happens. Because what happens is what we say we believe and how we behave are inconsistent. What we say we believe and how we behave are incongruent. And, and I understand the belief part is, is just the biblical basis of what his word says, but the behavior part is the application. That's why as a pastor, I'm called to equip you to do good works. I'm called to spur you on, the Bible says, a.k.a. get in your kitchen and rattle the pots and pans so that it brings you back to here's where we got to get back to and here's where we've got to get back to because every one of us in and of ourselves are all kind of intrinsically, uh, Excuse me. Uh, Internally focused, we we always going to focus back to me. I'm always going to think back to me. I'm naturally going to think back this way. I'm always going to think back to my four and no more. It's just a natural tendency, and so God's word keeps pushing us to not think about ourselves, but think about others. Not think about ourselves, but think about Him. Not think about our four and no more, but think about a world that's lost and dying without Jesus. And so we're constantly pushed. We're constantly going why? So that our belief and our behavior are consistent and congruent. Because here's what happens: we say we believe things. But we behave differently, and our children don't listen to what we say; they do what we do. Now, I love sports. I love going to sporting events. I, 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 it doesn't—it doesn't, it doesn't even matter if I really even understand the sport. If it's competitive at all, I love watching it, being involved in it. I like all of that. Uh, I'm—I'm—I—I I, I will watch. I'll watch the Olympics, man. I'm going to watch the playoffs. I'm going to watch all sports. I, I, I love all of that kind of deal. I, I think sports are great for kids. I think it's great to get kids involved in sports. And, and I don't think everybody should get a participation ribbon, but that's another conver- for no- conversation for another day. But I, I love that. I, I, my, my, my youngest, she plays um, high school soccer at Germantown. And, 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 and so, uh, matter of fact, she's got a soccer game today at 10 o'clock. It's my great case in point. I'm the pastor of the church. My daughter is at a soccer game at 10 o'clock. See, sports are great. Sports are fun. Sports are awesome. I think sports are great, but they are a terrible God. And what we've done in this country is that we've made sports to become a god instead of just something that's good. We we put it in the place of God because Johnny gets up and Johnny doesn't want to go to church because Johnny's got a got got a soccer game or Johnny's got a baseball game or there's a tournament. We 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 do our behavior is not based upon what does God's word say? Forsake not the assembling of yourself together, brethren, do it even so much words you see the day approaching, or that we should honor God on, on the Sabbath, or that we should 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 put God first in our life. But it's what does Johnny want to do? So we let Johnny do what Johnny wants to do because that's what Johnny wants to do. And quite frankly, we kind of vicariously live through Johnny. So Johnny gets to go and do what Johnny wants to do. And Johnny doesn't go to church. And then all of a sudden when Johnny gets to be 16, 17, 18, he did not want to serve God. And when he's in college, He, he we're, we're getting phone calls because John, John, Johnny's getting into a lot of trouble. And then when Johnny becomes an adult and Johnny has kids of his own, he doesn't raise him in church. And we want to know why, because we taught him the Bible, no, you taught him what you believe, but you behaved completely different. And you allowed him to behave differently. And you allowed him to have a veto power and have a choice in the conversation. woo! my God. Somebody call me. and attacks me. No, no. But here's what I'm saying. And you go, well, I thought you said your daughter is at at a soccer game today. Yep. This is my case in point. There is no sacred day anywhere in our society. There was a day and age, and I'm not that old. I know I sound like an old man right now. There was a day and age where there was a sacred time that people went to church and nobody messed with that. Not today. Because there's too many kids, too many sports, too many gyms, too many people fighting over the same amount of space, and so they do it whenever they can, whenever they can, however they can do it. So, where was my 16 year old last night? Right there on the front row. How many of you go to church more than and sit in the sermon more than one time? She doesn't. I don't expect her to. So she's right there. Why? Because she's, she, she's, she's got this, this, this game on Sunday. But on Saturday, this is the beauty of having Saturday night service. You're welcome. And so it's right there. But you won't find that she's gone on Saturday and Sunday. Occasionally there's a tournament. Occasionally there's something. Once in a blue moon that there's something that's like that. But regularly, every week, we're going to be in the house of God. Why? Because that's what God's word says. And it's not just enough that I preach it. We have to behave that way. But, Dad, I'm, I'm tired. I don't care if you're tired. Dad, I'm sick. I'm just I'm throwing up. Great. Come to church. Let, let the elders of the church lay hands upon you, the book of James says, and you shall be made whole. Right? Woo! They got to rest up for that game. Really? They got like a, a signing bonus? If your kid's getting paid to play, you need to let me know. That way we can get some Tide dollars on that. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm just... My point is this, is, is how many places in life do we say we believe something? And I think we really do. But our behavior is inconsistent. So with her, one of the things we've taught her is, look, we're going to value the house of the Lord. Not because dad's a pastor, but because we are Christ followers. And so you need to make sure that regularly you're in the house of the Lord. And so you're going to as long as you're under this roof. You get out from under this roof, you pay your own bills, you're not on my payroll, you do what you want to, you can go on with your bad self. But as long as I'm helping, as long as I'm, I'm leading, as long as I'm dad in this scenario, this is what we're going to do. So if you've got something here, that's fine, you but over here. But dad, and there's no but dad to it. This isn't a photo op, babe. This isn't like I need people at the church to see where you are. This is about you. This is about me raising you. Because there's going to be a day when you're not going to be in high school. And there's a day you're not going to play sports. There's going to be a day you have to live life. And that sports, that's fine. It's great. It's good. But it's a terrible God. And we've made it a God in this country. We've made that that something that was never intended to be wrong. Look at the writings of Paul. He likened so much of the Christian walk unto a sporting event. He says, run the race. Finish the race and don't run it for a participation ribbon, but run it to win. Go after it with all your heart. Stretch towards the mark, strain towards the call. Go after it. Not for a not for a medal or for a trophy that'll 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 rust and corrode, but for but for a, a trophy and for an award that you're gonna receive in heaven that's eternal. He likens it all to that. Why? Because there's nothing wrong with sports, but there's something wrong with what we've done with it. Because we've made it into a God and we've allowed it to usurp God's place. And what is coming? Commandment number one, say, I'm the Lord, your God, and I'll have no other gods before me. And you can turn me off or turn me down. I'll be done in a couple minutes because I'm getting hungry. <laughs> but this is my concern, is that we, Life Church are becoming the church of Laodicea that John writes about in the book of Revelation. We're rich and increased with wealth, and we have need of nothing, but we've lost our first love. You know why kids that grow up in evangelical churches in America walk away from God when they go to college? It's not because of secular, atheist, agnostic professors. It's because their parents taught them to believe something, but they didn't behave congruently with that. What happens when we don't believe and behave congruently? I said this, but I just want to land it on this Authority begins to shift to the biggest influence. Whatever the most powerful, rich, whatever it is, sport, goal, career, whatever that is, you begin to magnate towards. You begin to attract towards. Because when you take the authority of God's word out of your life, it's whatever has the biggest power in your life, you begin to shift it towards that biggest influence. When authority shifts, you go to the biggest title. What gets rewarded gets done. You begin to go to the to the biggest thing that gets approval, the the title, what, whatever. I need to get this accolade. I need to get this success. I, I need to be approved by my peers here. I, I I need to get this deal or this deal or I've got to get this scholarship or I've got to get this award or I got to get this position or I, we've got to live in this neighborhood or I've got to drive this kind of car. Nothing wrong with having things. Just something wrong with things. Have you when the authority of God's word, when biblical authority leaves and shifts in your life, your authority then will shift to whatever the biggest title is in your world. When biblical authority is abandoning your life, your morality and the morality of your family begins to deteriorate. It begins with, I'm okay, I got this. That's what some of you are doing to me right now. I got this. You're over-exaggerating. He'll be okay. She'll be okay. No, they won't. I didn't write the book. I'm telling you. I'm pleading with you. John is very clear in the book of Revelation, there will be churches, there will be a segment of the bride of Christ that will be rich and increased with wealth and have need of nothing and they will have lost their first love. Why do you think that cannot be us? It begins with, I got this, I'm okay, and then it begins to have excuses and reasons and then we shift the blame and shifting the blame isn't, isn't a new thing, it's Adam and Eve in the garden. She eats of the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil. And, 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 and he goes, when God comes and asks Adam, Adam goes, I didn't do it. She gave it to me, she did it first. And the truth of the matter is, Eve goes, well, I was never told. And if you read the narrative, if you read the beginning of of Scripture, God speaks that to Adam, not to Eve. And God speaks it to Adam because he's supposed to lead his home and lead his family. And so quite frankly, he puts his wife in a very vulnerable position because he refuses to lead. Because he believes one thing, but he behaves differently. And he abdicates his place in leadership. And then all of a sudden, sin enters the world and all the problems with it. It's classic. It's age old. This isn't a new problem. There's nothing new under the sun. And ultimately, when this gives full birth, it gives birth to sin. And sin is what takes us to hell. And sin is what damns us to hell. That's what the word says. We just read it. Because it's not just enough that I believe. I need to behave. And again, I'm not talking about your struggle. I'm not talking about, man, I'm trying, but I I made a mistake this week. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the intent of my heart goes, I'm, I'm going to take a proverbial pair of scissors to this part of Scripture and I'm going to pull it out because I really don't want to live that way because I really don't want the Bible telling me what to do and I really think I know better. Not the guy or the gal that's trying hard and they, they, they just fail. They, they made a mistake. They sinned. I don't care how bad the sin was. They sinned. God's grace is sufficient for you. But morality begins to deteriorate when we have biblical authority. You don't believe that? Look at the nation that we live in. Because the last thing that happens is you lose your passion for Jesus. When you abdicate biblical authority in your life, you will eventually lose your passion for Jesus. Prayer, you don't talk to Him anymore. Don't believe me? When was the last time you had a meaningful conversation, more than five minutes, with the Lord? The Word. When was the last time that you just sat down and read portions of Scripture and let it speak to your heart and reflect on what it's doing and ask the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, according to to John chapter 14 and 15, he's the paraclete, the one that walks alongside of us. Lead me and guide me and show me what God's trying to say to me. When was the last time you told anybody about Jesus? Wow, it's quiet in this room. It's funny to me because you can, I gave this illustration last night and I had a, I, I had a, 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 I talked about how if you ever talk to someone that's really passionate about something, how they can just sit there and go on and on about their passion. Nothing wrong with that. I love that. I, even if I don't agree with you, I love to see passion and, and, and fervor. And I made an illustration in last night's message about, you know, if you've ever been around someone who's a vegan, like, they're totally like a vegan. Like, they don't eat meat or any, any, any animal products or whatever. Like, they would just go passionate. And this person, after service last night, walked up and said, I'm a, I'm a vegan. And they just started writing their spiel. I was like, yeah, you're exactly what I'm talking about. I love this. But, but, but why is it in the world in which we live in you can be you, you can be a vegan or you can you can you can talk about your, your feelings on this issue or that issue but when it comes to Jesus we're silent and it's not because the world's made us silent it's because we've sat down and shut up because somewhere along the way we believe it but we don't behave that way we, we espouse it on Sunday but we just have a hard time on Monday why because everybody else doesn't have a hard time? I mean, the Golden Globes will be on tonight. The red carpet's going to be turned to black, they say, because all of the, all everybody's going to Hollywood's going to show protest uh, against sexual harassment and, and sexual assault. And, and, I, and I think that's good that, 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 there's, that there's a, a climate to, 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 to allow victims to be able to speak out and, and, and to say no, that this is wrong and that we want to stand up. But everybody's applauding that. But what if somebody walked up and just said, today I'm a Golden Globe recipient I just want to talk about Jesus? I'm taught that if I deal with the media as a pastor of a local church, if I will begin to say the Jesus, the name of Jesus, multiple times, they will shut the interview down. We're taught that because no one wants to hear. Why? Because there's only one name under heaven by which man can be saved. But why do we not talk about it? Why do we not tell people about him? I'm not talking about sitting up on the lunchroom table or the break room or having a megaphone and yelling at people. Don't be crazy. And if you do that, don't tell me to go to Life Church, all right? <laughs> but where Jesus is just seasoned in our conversation, I can tell you why, because we say we believe it, but we don't behave that way. If we really believe that God's coming back and we really believe that he's the way, the truth and life and no will make to the father, but through the son, then why don't we tell people? I believe, but I don't behave. And as a pastor, my prayer this year is that we will not just believe it. I know you believe it. I'm not, again, I'm preaching to the choir. But I'm asking you to ask yourself are you behaving this way? Are you raising your kids this way? Are you leading your home this way? Look, we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. None of us are righteous, no, not one. So please don't, I'm not trying to be on a soapbox, because I have my own junk I have to deal with. But are you striving? Are you trying? Are you evaluating? So today, I, I want to leave you with, a, with something I think is real positive. In the seat pocket in front of you, unless you're on the front row, it's going to be right there. It's a thing called soap. Just pull this out. I'm not asking for an offering. Just pull this out. Somebody's like, oh. This isn't a new thing we came up with. Churches all over the country do this. But I want to give you a practical and reflexive way to practice living under God's authority, under his word. And so what I'm challenging you to do is you open the inside of this. You'll see there's we have four months and there are two chapters every day to simply just read two chapters every day. And what's going to happen is we're going to journey through this as a congregation, this course of this of this year. And, and things like, you know, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. The genealogies, we're going to kind of cut that out. If that offends you, I'm sorry. You can read it on your own time. Uh, and, and some of the things that are just some of the Levitical law of some of the stuff that I, I think is appropriate, but I think is a bit kind of just people get lost in it. Uh, we're, but what we're going to do is we're going to walk through. Here's the big scope of what the Word of God says. We're going to cover most of the Word of God. just b- But trying to do it two chapters a day, we're going to begin to walk through this. And there's Old Testament, New Testament, there's prophets, there's, there's historical books, there's epistles, there's gospels. We're going to cover all through this. And, and basically what I'm challenging you with is to take this, and if you got an, another Bible reading plan, that's great. But if you don't, and many of you don't do this, I'm going to be doing this. I am doing this. But two chapters a day, and then simply get a piece of paper, get a journal. If you don't have a journal, you can pick one up at anywhere, a notebook, it doesn't matter, but at the resource center, they've got them. But it, it just always oh, for observation. What am I reading? What are things that stick out to me? What's something that sticks out to me? It may just be something that's obscure. You've read the passage a million times, but it's just something that's there. It may be something you don't understand. It, it may be something that just really resonates, but you just maybe one thing or maybe five things it it just you just kind of scribble that down that's for you nobody else is not a right or wrong the a is for application how do i apply this what does this mean what's the so what of this in my life today and then p is the prayer whether you write that out or whether you just spend a few minutes praying that for god to help you to apply what you're reading and to submit yourself to the authority of his word because what happens is we begin to read things and we go, God, that's me. I'm so sorry. Lord, help me to be better. Help me to do this. Help me do that. And it, it's, 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 this is how we transform our minds according to God's word. This is how we renew our hearts according to God's word. This is how we make sure that we believe and behave and that's consistent. So you can take this with you. We're going to replenish all those. And every quarter, well, I mean, every week, these are going to be at the Resource Center. So if you miss it or whatever, you can pick it up there online. It'll be online at LifeChurchWI.com. I'm actually going to be blogging throughout the course of this year, just some things that I'm reading, not every day, but just throughout. Hey, man, this is something that really spoke to me. And three to 500 words, just a real simple read. You can just kind of do that. You can comment. We can have a conversation, whatever you want to do. But it's just us getting into his word so that we begin to behave based on what we believe. Real simple. Why? So that we delete our lives and our families in such a way that we don't lose our first love, that we don't let morality deteriorate in our lives, in our homes, in our families, that we don't let things shift to titles and influence outside of God, but that we live, that Matthew six thirty three: seek the first, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and then let all these other things be added to us.